What's up, 11 o'clock? How you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hey, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us today as we started this series called Run last weekend. If you weren't here, I encourage you to go to our website, watch it online, go check out our podcast. Uh, I I think that this is going to be a really, really important series for a lot of people. And what this series is all about is it's about this idea that God has a race for every single one of us to run. Whether we realize we're in a race or not, there is some intentionality in your life. There is a purpose to your life. There is a plan to your life. And God wants you to not just run this run in this life, but he wants you to win the race that he has called each and every one of us to. Now, What's, what's interesting is, is that I, I really enjoy running. Maybe you were here last week. You, you heard that I like running. Any, any runners out there? Anybody else out there like that? They like running. Okay, there's a couple of us. Anybody that doesn't like running? Anybody like sitting on the couch and watching TV? Where are my couch and TV people? I used to be you. I, like, I used to be the couch and, like, my idea of a good time was a good Netflix movie before there was Netflix. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, just like, like, how long can I watch this? And I'll never forget about 14 years ago, um, I had a friend that I was doing life with and, and he was like, he used to run, uh, triathlons and all these different things. And he was like, Hey, you know what? We should, we should run a race. And I was like, well, I've never ran a race. And he's like, we should go do a 5k. And I'm like, that sounds cool. How, how far is a 5K? Like, I, you know, like, I, we, we don't speak in kilometers in America. Can I get an amen? Like, we speak in miles. And so I'm like, how far is a 5K? And he's like, that's, that's 3.1 miles. And I was like, how, how far away is that race? He's like, 30 days. I was like, 30 days, I can be awesome at anything, you know? I, I like, and, and so I went to my local LA Fitness, and I was like, man, I'm going to start training. And so I went to LA Fitness, and I jumped on the treadmill, and I started running. And, and... At about the end of 30 days, I'd gotten down to where I was running a 10-minute mile. Come on, somebody. You know that that's fast right there. 10 minutes. Like, I'm, that's, I was fly, in my mind. Like, I was looking around at everybody else running on the treadmills, and I was killing them. Like, I was like, dude, like, I am flying on this treadmill. I'm awesome. And, and so, you know, I'm like, man, I'm going to do awesome at this race. And, and I've got these images of grandeur in my mind. I don't know if anybody else is like this. I like dream about how awesome I am and how bad, how bad I'm going to beat other people. Come on, you know you do it too. Like you don't have a dream where you just suck. Like nobody has like, I'm just terrible. Yes, that was such a good dream. None of us have that dream. And and so I'm like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to go kill this race. And and I thought to myself, well, if I don't kill it, I better look good. And so I went out and I got some clothes. You know, you got to, if you're going to race, you might as well look the part, right? And so I went out and I got the Daisy Duke running shorts. You know what I'm saying? Like, they got to do something about those jokers. We need to get some longer shorts for running. Um, like, those are not good. And I got the tank top. Like, I look the park, got my running shoes on. I show up to the race, and, and I've never raced before. So they separate people out based on how fast you run. So they're like, hey, if you're really fast, go to the front. You know, if you're like a medium pace, go here. If you're slow, go to the back of the line. And I'm like, dude, I'm running a 10-minute mile. I'm go- I go to the front of the line. I walk up next to some dudes from Kenya. I'm like, what's up? What's up? Start you know, and just like... I'm like, you good, you good? And like, and I, we're at the race line, and we're about to start. And I, I, I'm, I'm all like 240 pounds at the time. I'm a lot lighter now, but I, I'm 240 pounds standing next to two dudes combined, soaking wet, maybe weigh 80 pounds. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm going to blow these jokers out of the water. Kenya doesn't know anything about McCormick, you know? And, and so, and they... <laughs> 
I can't make this stuff up. I promise you. I like, I wish I could make this. This is how I really think in my mind. So you're getting, I'm pretty sick. I've, I've been in counseling. It hasn't worked. And so, so I'm at the starting line, you know, the, the banners above me. I'm right in the front next to these two jokers and some other people. And that, that gun goes off. It's like, bam. Yeah, it kind of startles me a little bit. I wasn't expecting that. And uh, these two dudes take off like a pack of hyenas after a wild animal. I mean, it's like, and I'm like, oh, snap. And I take off right with them. Like, they're jogging, I'm sprinting, you know? It's like, ah, ah. I'm, I'm getting after it, and, and we're running, and, and eventually, you know, they kind of distance themselves from you. I know that that's really shocking to you guys, but uh, we hit them first mile, and, like, I've ran this first mile in, like, six minutes and, like, 20-something seconds. I've been running 10-minute miles. I am thinking I am the greatest thing in the world at this point. I'm like, I'm going to kill this race. My goal was 30 minutes. I'm going to beat this thing at like 18. And, and I'm like, I keep running. And then like my body does it, has never experienced running like this before. And it starts doing things that it's never done. Like it starts cramping in places I didn't even know I could cramp. Like, I, I get to this point, like, and I don't know if you've ever done this. You've run so hard, like, you get to a point where you can't catch your breath anymore. And so I'm like, and like, as I'm running, like, I'm like a wounded animal running in this race. They're like, who, who killed the elephant back there? It's the elephant. You know, I'm just like, I, I, and I'm cramping, and all of a sudden, I can, my body isn't working right, so I'm like, I've got this funky motion, but I'm like, I'm, I'm going. Like, I'm going to kill this race. And finally, like, I have to walk some, and I, I, I can finally breathe again, and, and so I start running, and we get to about a quarter mile away from the finish line, and when you get to a, about a quarter of a mile away, like, you can see the end goal. You see the people that are cheering, and it says finish on there. And, and so I see that. And right at that time, like a lady with a double stroller goes running past me, you know. And I'm like, I'm the biggest loser on the face of the earth, you know. And she's running so fast, I'm like, I can't even catch her, you know. Uh, but then this older gentleman rolls up next to me, and he's probably in his late 60s. He's got knee braces on both knees because he can't bend his knees. And so he rolls up to me, high-stepping next to me like this. Straight up Deion Sanders going for a touchdown back in the day, like high-stepping, like, hey, like straight up running like that. And I'm like, oh, no, you didn't, old man, you know, and... And he looks over at me, and we've all given somebody that look or experienced that look like, oh, come on, bring it on. He's like, bring it on, whippersnapper. And, uh, and, and I'm like, oh, old man, I'm leaving you in my dust. And I take off running as fast as I can. Like, I am full out sprint. Like, the sports bra that I put on to hold everything in is like jiggling. Like, I'm kidding. <laughs> I probably should have, but that's a, that's a, totally, that's a totally different sermon, okay? Uh, 
I take off sprinting as hard as I can, man. And this dude is keeping pace with me. I'm running as hard as I can. And this dude is high-stepping right with me. Apparently, my heart wasn't very hard at this point. Like, this dude's high-stepping next to me. We are literally 30 yards from the finish line. Wait, where the people start celebrating and cheering for it. Come on, yeah. Like, they're all cheering. There's friends there. I'm a pastor at a church, so a whole bunch of church friends are there cheering for me at the end. And I hit that mark, and my body tells me, oh, you're stopping. Because I start projectile vomiting everywhere. Like, like all over the, like, people are running like, oh, good Lord, you know. <laughs> people are like, kids, stay away, stay away. You know, it's like... Right there with everybody watching, the old dude continues to stride in, does a Dion dance in the end zone, you know, and the whole deal. I just sit there and I throw up for like the next eight minutes. And then I take off running as fast as I can through that finish line because I want to get my sorry butt out of there. You know, who's that guy? I don't know. He left. How many of y'all know I didn't win that race? I actually lost really bad. We've been talking about how do we win our race because in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, it says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs? There is a race called this life that every single one of us is running. It says, but only one person gets the prize. And so Paul continues on and he says this, so run to win. Run to win. When He says, listen, this life, this race that we're running in this life, we're not just to be running around and chasing after meaningless things, running the rat race, going after sex and power and control and money. Like, that's not what this life is all about. There is a race that we are all to run, and we are to win that race. He says, listen, there, there is a prize that we are all chasing, and in this race, there aren't multiple winners. This isn't like our Olympics today where there's a gold, silver, and bronze. There was only one winner in this race. Only one person who gets to win the race. Everybody's running, but only one person gets to win. You thought Ricky Bobby came up with the theology of, if you're not first, you're last. No, it was Paul. Paul knew what was up. He's speaking to the people of Corinth and saying, listen, these people, they train for months and months and months for this Isthmus Games, and, and not everybody wins. Not everybody gets the prize. There's only one winner, and you know what everybody else is? They're losers, which goes so much against our culture today because they were all about winning. We're all about participating. I showed up. I get a trophy. Listen, you're not going to get to heaven just for showing up, and you're going to get a trophy. Like, that's not the goal. The goal is to run your race in a way that you win the race. He's saying, like, are you running in such a way to win? Now, here's what all of us need to know. And here's what every single one of us needs to realize. We have got to realize that we are in a race that must be won. Every single one of us, we are in a race that has got to be won. And so we just can't run around in this life running aimlessly after this or after that or after this or after that. We just can't hope to survive this life or, or just make it through to the end. God wants us to live for more than that. 
So how do we live up to his standard? How do we live in such a way that we win? What are the things that are necessary for us in our lives to win in life? And I love what Vince Lombardi, the great Green Bay Packers coach, he says, winning is a habit and so is losing. So what are the habits that we need to win this race. And Paul continues on and he says, listen, there are some things that we need to apply to our life if we're going to win this race, if we are to not be disqualified. And in verse 25, he says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. He's saying, listen, I want to run this race, and I want to run this race to win, and I want to make sure at the end of the day, I don't disqualify myself from my race. So what are some keys that we need to live by, the way that we need to run, if we're going to run this way, race in such a way that we win and don't disqualify ourselves? And so if you're taking notes, the first one is this, if you have got to run your race on purpose. Every single one of us, we have got to run our race on purpose. And the way that you run your race, the way you run your race is, is based on the purpose that is behind that run. And a lot of people, they go running like theoretically and literally. When they run, they run for fun. There's people, I sit at my house, there's this huge track, a mile track right behind my house in the township, and I'll go and sit outside and watch people run for fun. They run around and they're talking on their cell phone. I don't know how you do that. I haven't figured that out. I don't have those two skills at the same time. There's people that, that have conversations with a neighbor. There's people that, there's one guy that Shayla videotapes like every three or four days uh, that he is singing at the top of his lungs as he's running, jogging, whatever you want to call it. Like, it's just hilarious because you're like, how do you do that? Like, how is that possible? The reason that's possible is because they're not running with any intentionality in their life. See, that doesn't make any sense to me because it doesn't make sense to run for fun. I only run to win. You're going to get, or a bear chasing me. Okay, there's two things that I'm, I'm going to run for. And so when you understand why you're running, it changes how you run in your life. Changes the reason you're running. It gives you some intentionality. It gives you some purpose. That's why he says they do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. In every step that we take, we are running with purpose. So what is the purpose that you're running for? What is the intention that you are running for in this life? Are you running after temporary things? Are you learning, running after things that don't really matter? Or are you running with purpose in every single step? Now, the problem that I see over and over and over again with people is, is they don't have any idea what they're running for. They have no idea what their, their purpose is. They have no idea what their intentionality is in their race. And so what they do is they start looking around at other people and they start going, hey, that looks like a good race. Like, I like how that person's running. And they go, you know what? I'm going to run the race that they're running. I'm, I'm going to run like this person right here. Or I'm going to run like that person back there. Or I'm going to run like them. Here's the problem with that. And let me explain it to you like this. Shayla and I uh, love to go for walks. Love going for walks. In fact, Shayla's a verbal processor, and the way she verbal processes, we go on a walk, she talks, I listen. Works out great. Uh, guys, you should try it. It's awesome. Um, 
exercise and quality time at the same time. I mean, you can't beat that. And so we'll walk and she'll talk. Other times we just go, we just go for walks. And here's what I've noticed about those walks. If I'm not paying any attention to Shayla, what will happen is we'll be walking on this mile track and at about halfway there, I'll turn and look. If I've just been focused on walking and just in my own little zone, I'll look over next to me and Shayla is nowhere to be found. And like, I'll stop and I'll turn around and Shayla will be like 30 yards behind me. You want to know why? Because I'm like five foot 10 or five foot 11 and Shayla's like five foot five. My stride is way bigger than Shayla's stride. My pace is faster than Shayla's natural pace. And so what happens is, is I'm just going along. And if Shayla wants to keep up with me, she's got to work harder. She's got to work faster. She's got to put a lot more effort in to keep my pace. Why? Because she was never designed to keep my pace. She was never designed to walk my stride. Listen, if I try to have the same stride as Pastor Steve, that dude is six foot six. He takes one step, I take seven. Like, I'm not designed to walk in his stride. I'm not designed to walk in his purpose. Just like he's not designed. For him to walk in my purpose would look awkward. He'd be doing like these little baby steps, you know. It's just not right. But a lot of us, we're just looking around and we're going, you know what, I, I, I want them. And we're comparing ourselves among ourselves. And what we fail to realize is when we compare ourselves among ourselves and say, I want that, we end up destroying ourselves because we are never designed for that. We were designed for somebody else's race. We weren't designed for somebody else's stride. That's why last week we talked about this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, let us strip off every weight. And the sin that so easily entangles us. And for a lot of us, that weight is, is because we haven't figured things out. We're trying to live other people's life. And we're trying to run other people's race. And we weren't designed for that. And we have got to rid ourselves of the comparison game and figure out who God has called us to be. And stop looking around at other people and go, God, what is the lane you've called me to and how have you called me to run? Because if you run competitively, one of the first things they tell you as a runner is never pay any attention to what your opponents are running like. Don't look in their lane. Don't figure out where they are because the moment you do, you've taken your focus off of your run You've slowed yourself down, you've messed up your stride, you've messed up your pace, and you'll never be able to get back into that spot again. And so many of us, we're, we're so busy, well, what's Susie doing over here, and what's Steve doing over here, and what's this, and we have no idea, we're just running around aimlessly. And he says, listen, your race is so important. It's important and it's worth it for you to figure it out. And Paul uses this terminology. They run for something that is worthless. They run for something that's a, a, a prize that's not very worthy today. And basically what they were doing is he's talking about the, the Isthmus games. And they would literally run the race. The goal for, and, and the prize for them running their race was they would get some dried celery that they'd get to put on their head. They would trade eight months to win some dried celery to put on their head. And Paul's going, don't you run your race for worthless things. Realize that the race you are running is so much more important than that. It's all about eternal things. It's all about the things that last in life. And your race is going to impact in eternity. So there is so much more on the line. Run your race with intentionality. Says, how much more important is it for us as believers to run that way? 
How much more is it important? Because it's not just about us, because every decision we make impacts other people. Every decision. A lot of times people think, well, this choice only impacts me. When's the last time you made a choice that only impacted you? You're running late, and so you make a choice to cut somebody off, which causes them to swerve and get in an accident. Like, you're like, well, I didn't get in an accident. That choice didn't impact anybody else. Really? Every day, every choice, when I choose to date my wife and Show her the love and respect that she deserves. And that choice impacts other people that are looking for how is the marriage supposed to be done right? When you get up early in the morning and you seek after God, dads, you try to be more and more like him. And you're learning and you're growing. That choice impacts not just you, it impacts your children. Because how do you think you're going to parent after that? What do you think you're going to extend to them? extend grace and mercy and unconditional love because you've received the same thing from your heavenly father see how you run your race doesn't just impact you but it impacts other people for eternity that should give us so much more motivation to run our race with purpose making the most of every single decision in our lives so how do we practically do that what does that look like for us and i think paul gives us a second step there he says man we've got to run if we're going to run with purpose this is how you do it you run with discipline you run your race with discipline in verse 25 he says all athletes are disciplined in their training in verse 27 he says i discipline my body like an athlete why does paul continually use this word discipline Why? Let me kind of define what discipline is for you. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. That's a great definition for you. Discipline in life is choosing between what you want right now and what you want most. Because we've all heard the saying, pay now or pay later. You're going to pay at some point in life. And discipline is choosing to pay the price now. It's choosing to sacrifice now so that later on you can have something so much bigger, so much better, so much sweeter. And here's the thing. If you don't pay now, you're going to pay a whole lot later. Because you're going to miss out on the things that you should have had a long time ago, but you weren't willing to pay the price then. So now you're going to pay double later. It's us learning to choose between what we want right now and what we want for the longevity of our life. And a lot of us, we're sabotaging our race because we haven't figured out what we want most. We haven't figured that out. And and so you look at people who are disciplined in life and are successful in life. You look at the person that has a great marriage. I guarantee you there are disciplines in their life. There's a discipline of they have a regular date night with one another that they set apart to cultivate that marriage relationship. They have time every single day that they probably spend together and just communicate with one another. No kids, no distractions, no TV. Man, we're just going to communicate. They have regularly scheduled sexual encounters. Hello. Men are like, I love Jesus right now. Get me some of him. Yeah, preach. That that right there will preach. 
You want to have a healthy marriage? You got to get some healthy discipline. Do you, you look at people that have, that have great kids and you go, you know what? I bet you they have some disciplines going on within their household. I bet you they have some rules that they stick to. I bet you they have some consequences where the parent doesn't have to count to one, two, three. Like their kids listen the first time so that when their kid runs out into the middle of the road, they're not going one, two, smashed by a car. Some parents should be going amen right there. They're like, that's what I need. People that are successful in business, they have disciplines that they've learned. They've learned how to manage the discipline of time. They've learned how to encourage and build other people up that are around them. They've learned how to steward the resources they've been given to the best of their ability. You see those disciplines. And, And the reason we don't naturally gravitate towards having those things is because discipline is hard. Anybody notice that? Like discipline is difficult. You go, man, you know what? I'm, I'm going to get healthy in life. And I see this all the time. I'm going to get healthy in life. I'm going to eat right. I'm going to sleep right. I'm going to exercise. And so Monday comes along. You get up. You eat a good breakfast. You go to the gym. You do well. The rest of the day, you wake up on Tuesday, and you can't move. Come on, y'all have been to the gym. You know what I'm talking about. You're like, oh, oh, man, I don't know. And you're like, but the discipline tells you, man, I got to go to the gym. And you go to the gym, and then you're coming after you go home, and you change, and you're, you're driving to work. Like, the Holy Spirit comes down from heaven and lights up the hot now sign at Krispy Kreme. And you're like, what do I want most? And, and Krispy Kreme right now, Jesus. <laughs> it's hard. Because that dozen hot nows go down really fast when they're hot. Like you're like, I didn't even feel that. You just feel it tomorrow. So you guys know what I'm talking about. It's difficult. It's hard decisions there. For some of us, it's, we say, man, you know what? I want to know and pursue God so much more. Man, I want to have that relationship that they talk about at church and talk about getting up early. You know what? Tomorrow morning, I'm going to set my alarm because what I want most is God. So you set your alarm an hour earlier. And when your iPhone goes off that next morning and you look at that clock and it says 5 a.m., you know what you want right now says? Sleep. And because discipline is hard, most people go, snooze. What they want most is the relationship with God. But what they want now, because it's difficult, trumps what they want most. I know this is true. And Friday, we were, we were driving down the road, and Shayla and I had our date night and cheat food meal at the same time, which is which is amazing. We went to go eat some pizza at Amici's. Love that place. Um, and, and, and so we're driving home, and I'm driving, and Shayla is sitting next to me, and she's got her feet up on the dashboard, which I guess you're not supposed to do in case of an airbag exploding because I guess your feet will go through your chest, which would not be a good thing. And, and she's going, man, man, I need to go get a pedicure. And, and I look at her toes, and I'm like, babe, you do need to go get a pedicure. <laughs> she is not here, so do not tell her I said that. <laughs> And right now, we're, we're saving to, to buy a house. And she goes, you know what? I, I can't go get a pedicure because what I want most is I want a house. 
And I was like, well, what I want right now is for you to get your toes painted because those things are nasty. No, I'm just... (laughs) Again, Vegas right here, Vegas. about making the choice. Discipline is what do you want most over what you want right now? Paul's saying, man, if, if we're going to run with purpose, we've got to run with discipline and make that choice. We're going to win this race. Then number three there, we've got to run through pain. We have to run our race through pain because at some point you're going to hit the pain wall. In any race, you hit a wall. And this is what it says in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. It says at some point, man, there's going to be a moment where that discipline, where it hurts. Like where it is going to be like, ah. It says later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. It says that, man, pain always produces something. And the pain that you experience right now will be the strength that you have tomorrow if you're willing to press through it. A lot of us go, well, well, I'm just not strong enough. Yeah, that's right, because you haven't gone through enough pain yet to have some strength. Without any struggle, there is no strength. And so God is saying, listen, there are going to be some proverbial walls that you're going to hit. And you're going to go, I don't know how I can go on. It hurts so bad. And God's going to go, keep pressing on. Because you're going to have a choice. Pain always gives us a choice that we're going to live with. We're either going to live with the pain of discipline or we're going to live with the pain of regret. But we're going to live with pain. Which one are you going to live with? And a lot of us, we, we choose to quit. We choose to live with regret. And we miss out on running this incredible race that God has for us, that he set before us, that he's set us up for. And he's going, listen, just keep going. Just keep taking a step. If you'll keep taking a step, I promise something awesome is going to happen. That's why in Galatians 6, 9, it says, don't do, get weary in doing good. Like, don't give up when you're doing good because it says in due season or at just the right time. I wish I knew when that time was. Anybody else with me on that? Sometimes that that time, and I was like, man, God, is it time yet? Is it time yet? Is it time yet? And God's going, don't go, don't get weary. Just keep going because in that time, you're going to reap something if you'll just keep going. And a lot of us, we're on the verge of breakthrough. And right before we hit breakthrough, because it is painful, we give up. And God's like, man, all you got to take is one more step. You take one more step. Your breakthrough is right on the other side of that step. And if, I believe that the Holy Spirit could speak to you today, and he can, and he is. I believe that for some of you that are facing some immeasurable amounts of pain that we can't even fathom, that we can't even imagine, it's internal it's external. It's all around you. God would tell you today, just keep going. One more step. In the 1968 Olympics in Mexico City, there was a, one of the greatest marathon races that has ever been run in the Olympics. Something like 78 runners from all over the world had gathered together at the 68 Olympics to run this race. The Olympic marathon is 
plus miles. It's one of the most enduring, grueling races. And particularly when it was in Mexico City, because it was right on that Tropic of Cancer line where it's extremely hot and fatiguing. And, and I don't know if you've ever ran a long race, but in a long race, when you start running, for the majority of the first part of the race, everybody runs in a pack. Everybody runs together because you're, you're trying to set a pace that's sustainable. And at some point in the, in the race, there'll be a group of people that break away from the pack. They call them the breakaway. And, and they, they end up typically going on and winning the race. And it's choosing the right time to break away. And in the 68 Olympics, Tanzania had only sent a couple of athletes to the games. And one of the athletes they had sent was John Stephen Aquari. He was the very best runner they had ever produced, and they were expecting him to do extremely well in the marathon and represent Tanzania well. And he started out, and they were running great. They ran one mile, two miles, ten miles, still all together in the pack. And at a mile 11 is when the first breakaway group started. And when the breakaway happens, everybody in the pack, there's a jockeying for position that happens. And people are pushing one another, trying to get the right position so they can stay with the people that are in the lead. Because that's the goal. If you get too far back, you'll never catch up. And, and in the midst of jockeying for position, John happened to get pushed in the back and fell down. And when he fell down, he actually separated his shoulder when he hit I don't know if you've ever separated your shoulder and tried to compete. I, I was a quarterback and a defensive back in high school, and I dislocated my shoulder. It, it throws off all the balance in your body because you're favoring one side. But not only did he dislocate his shoulder and have a mild separation, but he actually dislocated his kneecap. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried to run with your kneecap separated from your knee. doesn't really sound very possible. And while the runners continued on, he laid on the ground. Medical staff came around him and started pushing them away and got up and started limping down the track, actually down the road. He came to a water station and as they were cleaning it up because they thought all the, the runners had passed already, he asked for some bandages and bandaged up his knee like that. And he continued on. 12 miles, 13 miles, 14 miles, 15 miles. At about his 16-mile mark, the winner passed the finish line at about 6 o'clock. Over the next 20 or 30 minutes, the rest of the racers crossed the finish line in the Olympic Stadium. In fact, they started shutting down for the night because they thought the race was over. And as they're filing the people out, they were down to about 1,500 people left in the stadium. TV cameras had shut down at this point. They were off to do their, their evening shows. When they heard the sirens of the motorcycle police officer that was following behind him, making sure he was okay. And everybody in the stadium stopped as 
John Stephen Aquari limps into the stadium still running his race, bandaged up, bloodied, and bruised. And the crowd starts to cheer as he makes his way around the track to the finish line and just falls in complete exhaustion as he crosses the line. Medical staff are running to him and organizers and, of course, a reporter. And this reporter goes, you're injured so badly. Like, it's obvious you are in so much pain. Why did you continue to run? There's so many other runners who got injured that they just quit. Why did you continue to run the race? And he goes, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. My country sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. Let me tell you something, Coastal. God did not create you just to start your race. He created you to finish your race. He said, listen, you're going to have a choice in life. When you're in pain, when you're suffering, when you're going through some difficulties, you can give in to those things. You can give up in the midst of those things, or you can give it all you've got. And I believe that we serve a God that has called us to give it every single thing that we have got to finish our race that he has set before us. And so the question for all of us today is, is, what do you need to do right now? What is the choice that you need to make today? What do you have to do right now to have what you want most in your life? Maybe for some of you, it's discovering a relationship with Jesus where you discover that your purpose and your plan. Maybe for others of you, it's choosing to live with some discipline. Maybe for, for the third group, it's going, man, I'm going through some pain. And today, I need to choose to keep pressing on because I know that my breakthrough is right on the other side of the pain. And through that pain, God is going to do a process. Would you pray with me here today? Father God, we just come before you and we ask that you would be here in our midst. 